we just we just look we just look surprised we just look like oh shit galit showed up and you're like yeah and we're just like ah. you're like yeah, no. <laughs> i love it all right well <laughs> shit okay good for us it's like we're changing the face of new media and i'm kind of moving from the beast into complete poverty and satisfaction of art tech. Well, okay, hold on. Well, before we get into the, because that's going to turn, that's going to change the whole conversation. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's a good thing. But before we do it, we need you to introduce yourself. Okay. How long do we have? You're listening to the Can't Sell This podcast with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. My name is Galit Ariel, and I am a futurist, a PhD candidate learning about the future of imagination and technology, and I think that's enough for now. That, that I mean, you've been living in the future for as long as I have known about you, and not necessarily known you, but known you have been in the future for the long, like longest time. Consistently yes. in the future. Is it disappointing to come back seven. to the past? <laughs> since the age of seven? Mom, well, since I'm tired I watched of this. Star Trek for the first time, oh. I knew where I belong in the yeah. future. Yeah, fair. Um, okay. So P PhD candidate, that, that's, a, that's a relatively new thing. Yes, I started this September. I just finished my first semester. And let me tell you, don't do a PhD. Uh, <laughs> if you want to keep your sanity. It During a pandemic like the, or just in general? The pandemic is, is actually not the issue. I think it's, it's, it's a place where they ask you to figure out what it is that you're about. Right. And, and to research something deep and wide and in a new way, but based on, you know, all the existing theory and, and assumptions. So it's, it feels like I'm in a time space continuum. You know, you have to have yeah. your, your finger on the pulse of, again, it really depends on what PhD you're doing. Like maybe Roman history is not that There's cutting only so much edge. Depth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aqueducts it is, but, but, it, but at least you're focusing on, I want to say a clearer access. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I kind of dug my own PhD grave in saying, I'm just going to look at the intersection of technology and imagination, two tiny fields of thought. Oh, that's just, I mean, it's hardly nothing. <laughs> and see how they intersect together and influence each other. And it looked like a great idea. And then I started it and as Whenever you study something, you realize how little you know about it. So you go through the, the full spectrum of what have I done? What have I done with my life Why until not now? <laughs> Why not? Why this now? Yeah. Uh, and what am I going to do after? Um, but it is fascinating. It is it is exhilarating to to learn. I mean, I'm a big nerd. So for me, learning is my happy place. 
You're totally a nerd. I mean, there's no, I mean, it's, like I made, I made for anybody listening, I was totally making a big surprise face because you are absolutely a nerd. If yes. you at seven reference Star Trek as why you live in the future, super nerd, super nerd. Proud, I have a question though. Proud of it. For, for your PhD, um, to be accepted into any PhD program, you, you basically, you apply, but you also, you say what you intend to research, right? Like you say, yes. I am going to the intersection of whatever art and science, whatever it is. They need to believe that you can research it for one, that you can research it. So you convinced people like even before you were like, no, what was I thinking? Like they just went, yeah, no, that sounds really cool. You know, like what, <laughs> there's shockingly, there a... <laughs> yes, they believe me, and I hope they're not listening now to my self deprecation and self doubt. Oh, you don't, you don't doubt yourself. You, I've never, I've never met anybody more confident or seemingly confident uh, in 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 their abilities than than you, and for for good reason too. I mean, you're, you're I, a fascinating human being. I want to say I, I agree and disagree. I'm, I'm confident in the ability to fail gloriously. Well, that's right? a, this this is my my deal. my thing in life is, and I'm not talking about my 30s, my horrible 30s, where I had like a decent job and you know mortgage and you know I was doing the right thing and being terrified of life. My horrible 30s are, are behind me, way, way behind me. Hmm. But uh, the moment I hit 40, actually, when you stop doing these life goals, of like, gotta do this before I hit 50, that's pathetic. You just stop planning and you actually start doing. It was so relieving. And this is when I went back to actually my youth, my 20s, where I was like, if I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna like, I want to conquer the world like Vikings, like hit yeah. the shore, burn your ships, and and deal with it. That's that's you know I think as someone who is I'm in my late forties, like that every safe move you make when you used to be a very creative and risk taking person becomes like a oh that's just another nail in that coffin you know like it's it's very cool to hear you say like you know my awful thirties. <laughs> like, yeah, they were made so a bunch good. of safe moves, right? And yeah, that's I awful. Mean, yeah, there's, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It's funny because Stefan has has been working on his masters for the past while too, and and having gone back to school and leaving mm -hmm. all the safety that is work, 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 right? Adult, yeah. adult work. Um, yeah, or, or at the very least, you know, taking on that additional responsibility of schoolwork on top of work, work. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious. So, so where are you taking your PhD, and and what is what is the PhD in? York. Okay. So I, I went to York for for various reasons, but mainly because they have um, a long history in AR and VR research. And as you know, I'm an AR buff, and they have um, the Sensorium Center for for Creative Art. And I met Caitlin Fisher, which is amazing, and one of the really the pioneers, the unsung heroes of, of augmented reality. And I wasn't planning on doing the PhD, like <laughs> most things in my life. It was one of these things like one day I'll do it. And I was connected to her because actually I was hosting a panel and one of the participants 
asked me where I did my PhD. And I'm like, no, 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 never did the, a PhD. And they're like, what? You no, have no, to no, talk no, no. to I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not. They're like, no, you have to go and talk to Caitlin. And I was like, sure, I'll talk to anyone. You know me. I'm like, sure. New people. Yes. That was pre-COVID. I wanted to. Yeah. 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 When I was meeting people all the time and traveling. And I went and met her. And basically, she said, you should apply for the PhD. And I was like, okay. I'm also a yes person. (laughs) Like, if Well, the challenges aren't a challenge, right? Oh, I'm the worst. If you're going to challenge me to do anything, I will dedicate the rest of my life in trying to achieve it. This is like a bit of a problem uh, because sometimes if I set myself with these ridiculous goals, I don't stop, you know? So I'm, I'm still, as you, you know, I, I have my, my life goal is still to be on Star Trek, to be a cameo on Star Trek, to be a puddle, <laughs> an alien puddle <laughs> and i've weaved it into everything i've done in my life like, including my puddle. ted talk I'm, i gave a ted talk i'm like i'm gonna put a badge on it surely surely someone's gonna notice it I, and one day invite me did not happen i put it in my nda my 2020 mm. nda was you know the last the last uh, paragraph of it was kind of um int- making the person signing the NDA to, to agree that if they know anyone in the production of Star Trek, they're obliged legally <laughs> to, to try and help me get into Star Trek. Oh, my God. And, yeah. Star Trek, the and show isn't real, but I just don't – you're aware of that, right? I mean – What? Your life and what you create is more real than Star Trek. Ooh, do you want to go into <laughs> space time theory? <laughs> Ooh, I just think I just think you yeah, I think I just you get through the doors. You, you get the multiverse. You get everything the we can imagine, and possibly imagine, and possibly couldn't even imagine all exist somewhere. I think is what sure. you're getting at, right? Simultaneously. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Come on now. No, I'm, I'm still stuck Wait. on this idea of. Uh, Galit as an ensign, as a puddle on on the Enterprise. Right, just, just with like, my little eyebrows, yeah, my stripy yeah. eyebrows, <laughs> just, floating there, and that's all I need in life. I don't even yeah. need to be recognized. I just need to reach that moment. And there's like one one problem that can somebody. only be solved by a a crew member who is also a liquid. A, a and then, puddle, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, they take you out. There's like a see, thermos. I, I don't understand. But, I uh, pause because I can see this happening. Sure. I'm like, I'm imagining this. What and Star you see Trek show is going face. on? Discovery? Is Discovery? Is I it, think this, sh- that this should go on Lower Decks. Yeah. No. What? Oh, it's so Picard. good. What's Lower Decks? No, oh, not Oh, it's Lower the animated Decks. series. It's uh, no. animated. Picard. Okay, Picard is my enough. captain. I'm okay. sorry. Picard is, is Picard my, I have a, a dream crew. Season? It's like different, <laughs> different, different crew members from all the Star Treks put to, together. That's my dream ship where I'm happy to be a puddle in. Are you, are, I'm sorry. Are you saying puddle? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like a, this, this episode just took a turn. So, 
A puddle. Like how what specifically would you, uh, you know what? I don't even know why I'm asking this question. <laughs> don't go there. The, I want to be, a, 45 I wanna be minutes. a puddle. This has all this been is, envisioned see, in my mind. Captain Saru coming out of the, out of the John, like, Oh, that was that awkward. All must have to be embodied. You, there are different alien life forms. Okay. <laughs> I just keep Puddles swallowing are its aliens uniform. Too. <laughs> It was, the only reason it can't keep its quarter, tricorder with it, it just ruins everything. Ah, puddle. <laughs> um, shit. Okay, well, that, that was a whole... Uh, I honestly wasn't Segway? expecting... Well, no, <laughs> I love segues. I, I, could, I could keep going with puddle jokes all night. But um, you, you, were, you were easily one of the earliest proponents for augmented reality and augmented reality work that I had stumbled into like there were do you know how it's like there's a lot of latecomers to it you know people that are like oh well you, well, you can make and it, it's most it all comes down to when it became viable as a as a product for mm. for money in, in the in the eyes of marketers snap camera or you know facebook uh, spark ar stuff like that but you very early on saw the value in, and and here's the here's the problem with with AR, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. The problem with AR is that people don't know what augmented reality means, augmenting reality versus slapping makeup on a camera angle. You know what I mean? Like like there was there's so much more information that we can pass along to somebody the augmentation of their own reality that I, that I was, I was so excited to see you be one of the earliest proponents of, do you know, does that, does that make sense? Well, I, I think there were earlier proponents. I'm definitely not one. They, they are the great pioneers of, of the nineties. Oh, sure. there, there have been people that have been long before, before me. Um, but I think with augmented reality, there, there are, two core complexities in my mind at the moment. Mm -hmm. The first one is we don't know where it's going to lead because this is a completely new human computer physical world interaction. And I think that a lot of the early applications, let's say commercial application outside labs or research or creative artist labs were marketing led and thus it became that right very early on which is the other problem it it's been existing for a while on one hand but it hasn't been explored enough in terms of what does it actually mean when we augment the world around us what does it actually mean in terms of interface in terms of content in terms of of social interaction in terms of human computer human digital interaction we don't no, yet we're really just yeah. scratching the surface and it went from the confined lab spaces into mass very very quickly and i'm actually quite appreciative like snapchat snap had actually been doing ar commercially for a while and allowing AR to be accepted by the masses without even realizing it's mm -hmm. AR. So when I was doing my masters and doing the research about AR implementation, I, I had a set of questions and I asked people, 
you know, have you ever used AR? No. Do you know what it is? No. Have you ever used a Snapchat lens? Yes. So people didn't, didn't even realize they were using it while they were using it, which was fine. It was actually great because that means that it was a natural adaptation. Yeah. And then, and then uh, came Pokemon <laughs> Go, um, which, right. which has its value in terms of making the term augmented reality super known to, to a lot of people. I was conducting this survey as Pokemon Go was launched. So it was amazing. I still have the graph of the answers of people from, from around the world saying, I don't know what AR is. Two days into Pokemon, they heard about it. Four days into Pokemon, they kind of understood it. One week in, it was amazing to see the, the, the cultural shift and understanding the widespread understanding of AR. And that's what, because it made a lot of money and it was so popular... Of course, that became the the quality stamp of AR. Right. Yeah. Take AR, make an app, <laughs> make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a good and a bad in it. it. It did bring money into AR, but it tried to push it to be commercial. I think in my in my mind, too early. Again, before we understand really the interactions, before we really had devices that could enable it, and. But- yeah, and and good and bad. I mean, specifically with Pokemon Go, it's not really AR at all. It it's, is now. It is, it now. is now. It is now. It was, now, it, yeah, yeah. It is now. So this was also it was something that was like rubbing me off because people were like, "It's AR." I'm like, "Well, it's location based." <laughs> yeah, location <laughs> based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not really it's interactive. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. and. Yeah. But it's fine. It is AR now. And they fixed a lot of the bugs they had when it came out, which, you know, partially was p- placing Pokemons in, in the middle of busy streets or on private properties in the middle mm-hmm, of the ocean. Mm-hmm. They fixed a lot of things. There were a lot of things they didn't know, um, but they fixed it. I wish that it would have taught AR developers about the potential hazards of it, too. More, mm-hmm. more than than they are now, because I think they're still in that headset. A lot of of developers are are in the headset of like quick cash, make it viral, as if AR is a disease that needs to be spread. And may I say, in twenty twenty, who wants to make anything viral anymore, anyways? Um, <laughs> see what I did wrong. there. You're not wrong. But again, it's it it did turn a new page. We're getting there. I'm hopeful. I'm I'm super optimistic. You know, in, in my in my belief system, to be an optimist is to, is to know that things could be much worse. Yeah, right? that's optimism. Yeah. So I'm optimistic, and I think that we'll we'll learn. We will learn how to to do it right. I th- I don't think we're doing it yet. But I'm seeing more and more people that are starting to really understand the potential of AR and to explore the potential of AR in a serious and meaningful way. And they will be the future. What's happening right now with marketing or retail, some of it is okay. A lot of it, I want to say it's not going to stick. Even if a lot of Mm. people will use it, it's not going to stick because it's, it's not natural it doesn't flow it's it's a fad 
So well, I think me, when you look at, I think when you look at, sorry, sorry for interrupting, you know, I, I, know. I was, I was thinking about the fact that when I first saw Google maps, being able to flip the phone's orientation, all of a sudden getting a live view of the street plus a direction arrow. So use my camera plus had a direction arrow showing me which way to go as opposed to, you know, flipping it the other orientation and having it say, this is the map. So, it, you know, having a contextual interface and letting me know exactly where I needed to go, I thought, well, here we go. So now I've been talking about wayfinding as an augmented reality thing for, I God, I want to say it's been five, six years. I, I keep saying wayfinding is, is, is the easiest barrier to break for people to adopt. If you can get people into wayfinding using their mobile device, that's the, that's, that's the first, that's the entry point. And it's like the, when I first saw Google Maps do it, I thought, there we go. So here we're getting to something that allows the average person to accept that their reality can be augmented using their device, as opposed to you're going to get the information on your device and then get out of context from that and look at the context of the real world. And that to me is where we have our the biggest disconnect when we, when we talk about AR in particular. I think the the disconnect is on several levels. First of all, does it really add value? But serious value, not is mm -hmm. it nicer mm -hmm. to look as an yep. AR, but does is it really valuable? So with the wayfinding, I agree, but not necessarily in terms of, of the traditional way we look at at directional wayfinding. I think it's more interesting in, in experiential wayfinding than directional because directional wayfinding, you know, I need to pop to, to have a look at my screen. I know where I'm, I'm going towards. I might look at it a couple of times right. again, but I don't necessarily need to, to hold it up for the whole time. For right? sure. So, I, and I think this is the barrier of, of what behaviors and rituals that we already mm -hmm. do makes sense to be augmented and not a lot, mm -hmm. actually, not a lot are really makes sense in terms of augmentation and what new value would would AR bring. And I think the, the people that will manage to crack that, and I don't think it has been cracked yet in that sense, whomever will manage to crack that, that new interaction will will be the winner I have yeah. speculation it's, it's around the same. who will do it. Apple. <clears throat> Sorry. Hmm. Apple. <laughs> it's, it's the same. Anyone's embedding LiDAR into their devices. <laughs> They've been working towards it. I, I have to say, so when, when I published my book, it was like 2016. And I was, and it was really hard because I had to like look at, at the existing landscape, was, which was very um, young in terms of, of, mainstream tech platforms adopting it. Not all of them really, really, uh, except of Microsoft that have been doing the HoloLens for, for years now. Um, I think everyone else were just starting to jump on the wagon. And, and in my mind, it's, it's not that Facebook doesn't have money or Amazon doesn't have, you know, an outreach or access to data. It's, it's going to take a, a special kind of company to be able to implement augmented reality. Because again, this is not just about here's a new technology. It's about having the hardware, the, the, the content, the software, the user base, and the 
I want to say the savviness and patience to do it properly. And in my mind, and I'm, I'm still a believer, Apple is the strongest candidate still. They've done it again and again. They actually haven't been the first on a lot of, of the technologies that they're dominating. They haven't been the first in, in wearables or in tablets or even smartphones. But they have been consistent in, in being, I want to say, not the best, but, but because that's debatable. I'm a Mac person, obviously, but they've been very <laughs> successful in, in making it good enough for the market to adapt it in, in, in a really meaningful way and understand what it means in, in, in a lot of levels. And that's what it takes because we're, build, we're talking about building the World Wide Web within physical space. This is what we're really talking about. And, and being able to, to not differentiate between the cyber world and the physical world, right? That's, that's massive, massive. And, and sure. we also want to do it overnight, right? When we talk about the World Wide Web, it started like in the 70s and it took it like a good 20, 30, even 40 years to, to really become so widespread. And we're still not at 100% internet connectivity, mm-hmm. but we want to do the same with AR now. And yeah, I think we have a good five more years till we really start to crack that nut yeah, I, I I think we 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 as a as a culture or at least Western culture. I'm sure this may not be worldwide, but as a Western culture, we have a, an issue with immediacy. We believe that things either need to succeed tomorrow or they will never succeed. And there there's there we have very little faith in a long term investment. And long term could be a year as opposed to what what could be 16 years or 15 years. So the idea of investing in a long-term future goal from a North North American perspective seems to be a, a, a really uh, alien concept. So, you know, we will, like you're saying, Apple will probably be the one to drive it. And that's probably because Apple buys out companies that are succeeding at something and folding them into the, into the greater whole and then making them into you know, part of that bigger structure, which is what Google and 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 Facebook does as well. So it's not really all that weird. But we, but well, I think we, they have something else, which is they have they're sitting on cash, capital. <laughs> they they for don't sure. have. Yeah. They're sitting on capital. They don't have this board of director breathing in their neck, like launch it now. You know, you have to I, do I, it think, I think they work off of product. I think they think of like, you know, it's sort of like Disney Imaginarium. You know what I mean? Like the imaginary Imaginarium that where they are Imagineers. Sorry, that's what I'm looking, the word yeah. I'm looking for. Uh, I linked to a guy named Ivan Pupriev, who is this like incredible engineer who's who's done like some serious interface work that has nothing to do with touching things. And I just think like way back when haptics were where I was like I was so mm. into haptics I just thought oh my god he had a whole thing where he could talk to you through his fingertip kind of thing by touching your head and I you know I just think all this this it was because he was working for people that believed mm. in what he did so Disney had hired him he's worked for Google um it's pot I don't I'd have to go back and look at it but it is it, you know having a company that is very wealthy and is capable of separating the research from their 
deliveries yeah. is, is, is where we have our, have our greatest issues, obviously, because smaller agencies, like I've worked for a couple of agencies, few agencies now that they're like, we want to have an R and D thing. But the minute you tell them, well, look, R and D is a loss leader. And mm-hmm. don't look mm-hmm. for me to make any money off for you for a good year and a half. They just freak out and get me on yeah. billable projects as fast as they can. Because at some point somebody says like, well, he's just wasting our money because I, there's I no long-term have, thinking. I used to have a deck called how to be like Apple <laughs> because <laughs> I, I used to do a lot of consulting and, and change, you know, change making consulting and, and more mm-hmm. product and, and digital strategy. And I would, that was like, I want to say 10 years ago. And when Steve Jobs was still alive and everybody were all appled out. And I used to get the same request, Gilly, we want you to help us become like Apple. And I'm like, no, you're, you're a fashion company. You're like not yeah. going to. And, and then I gave up in the sense that I created this deck and, and I, I made sure that I'll present it. I'm like, oh, I need your C-level execs in because this is where I tell you the secret and they're like oh and they were all excited and and I would get them into the boardroom and like dress up in like a black turtleneck and everything and and build a scene and then I would go through the deck like how to be like Apple and then starting with the fact Apple the number one company blah 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 and and then I would go step one fire the CEO, step two, and and going through step two, <laughs> put 70% of your revenue back into R&D, step yeah. three, only release, you know, four, five products a year, step six, have customer service that is beyond any, you know, and, and they started to freak out. So in the beginning, they're like, oh, fire the CEO. Yeah. Oh, Nobody oh. wants to hear and, that. And yeah, and they were like, no, that's what we, we, we did. That's not what we meant. We, we meant... We want to be as successful as Apple. I'm like, yeah, but that's how they became Here's successful. Here's your recipe. <laughs> Here's your recipe. So you have or to it's redefine. The, um, it's the, 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 the usual, well, no, what we actually meant was we want to be as successful as Apple, but we oh. don't want to change absolutely anything that we do. We just want a bunch of money. Yeah, to, we, we just want to win We want now. money. Can you just tell us that we win? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm really sh- shit in telling people what they want to hear this was this is has always been my 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 blessing and a curse and and this is why i hate my birthday actually because if i get a gift that i don't like and it happens a lot let me tell you i i can't hide my disappointment (laughs) so from a very early age i used to run away from home on my birthday because you know birthdays were friction and and disappointment and and um, I think till today, it's, it's very hard for me to sit and do, you know, all the sales talk. Like, if you just do A, you're going to have exponential growth. <laughs> and and it's, it's really a bummer because a lot of execs, a lot of companies, they don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear reassurance. Mm-hmm. They want to hear that, that it's going to be okay. That they're doing the right thing. That's what mm-hmm. they want to hear, right? Yeah. They're making the right decisions. Oh, look, I've taken a look at what you do and it's amazing. They don't want to hear, boy, it would be really cool if you just got rid of your C-suite because that C-suite has been protecting the bottom line for 15 mm-hmm. plus years and 15 plus years, the bottom line is never really, you know, they don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. They your first change, big decision is that you got to. They don't all, want to actually change. Mm-hmm. Or sacrifice. To... They just yeah, want it's not what even they just have sa- to yeah. work. Yeah. Like, it, I, yeah. I mean, 
uh, Hugh, you and I have talked about this in advertising so many times where, uh, you know, a client comes in and says, we need, we need to radically change, uh, you know, what we're doing because we're not reaching the, 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 the market anymore. And then you give them radical change and they're like, whoa. No, whoa. Yeah. When we said radical down. change, we meant the same thing in <laughs> yellow. <laughs> <Only> yellow. <laughs> it's the cover of your TPS do we, report. Do we have market research if yellow is a trendy color? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then okay. yellow. Perfect. Man. We are so innovative. Blue. Yeah, it, uh, it's 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 pretty difficult, and I mean, like I I, I don't know. It, I think I've been fighting this battle for twenty years, and every time I say like, "Well, you want to do something different, then you should do something different," but we didn't say different. I'm, well, I don't know what question you just asked me then, because I, I thought you said you wanted to do something really cool, but really, what you said is you want me to do the thing that you saw an hour ago again. You know, exactly. like that. This mm -hmm. won a bunch of awards. We want to win those same awards. So do that thing. I'm like, man, a, a year from now, that thing isn't going to win those awards. Well, here I put something in chat. What is actually to give that was light my daily. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is to give light must endure burning. Mm -hmm. And 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 this is the thing. We we want it all, but we don't want to sacrifice. We want. It's it's and I'm having a lot of these conversations, especially in a year like like this, that we all had to sacrifice something. It wasn't an option. All of us sacrificed. All of us mm -hmm. sacrificed on a personal level, economic level, social level, whatever. It, this was the year of of sacrifice and recalibration for everyone, like it or not. And I'm not complaining. In a sense, I'm not saying I'm happy or I don't want it to change, but I, I accept sacrifice. Also, I'm Jewish, so we're like, yeah, you know, five thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> all our holidays are about, like, all the Jewish <laughs> holidays are about somebody tried to kill us. Let's eat something horrible to remind yeah, us of that. This one candle lasted for eight days, Let's so we burn to fish our pain away. <laughs> But um, I think this is the, the only thing that that I have to say that that I accept in life is life will have pain or mm. hardship or endurement. It's, it's not to say that you won't be happy, but I think that the, the belief, especially our, our fetishism lately with constant happiness, exponential growth, you know, following a formula for success is, has been in, not in our favor. It gave us very quick gratification uh, but not real reward mm -hmm. as a society and as individuals. And again, I'm not I'm not saying you have to wake up every morning in, in agony and be like a German philosopher. Like life is pain. But but <laughs> life has pain. You know, life has pain, life has failures. And and this is, you know, going back to the beginning when I was talking about like glorious failures. Like if I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna do it riding a dragon in flames with purple glitter shooting up, you know, his butt. You know, if you're gonna fail, which you will, like do it with Yeah. Fail hard. Fail fast and fail hard. Not it can be slow. Okay. It can be slow. Arduous. Glorious. It can be like slow motion. I'm like, if you're gonna fail, learn something from it. Mm -hmm. Like, don't ignore mm -hmm. it. Don't avoid it. Don't don't tell yourself and others the story. Like, I didn't yeah. really get, you know, I didn't really fail. It was actually they didn't didn't understand. No, I failed. I, mean, I failed. You failed. Mm -hmm. Everybody failed in their lives. It's okay. I would rather fail because I risked too much than because I risked too little. 
Yeah. And and I think that that's one of the um, the sort of misnomers is that people are like, well, I, you know, we should play it safe because then we won't <laughs> fail. Well, yeah, you have just as much opportunity and just as much chance to fail if you play it safe. It just means that you didn't you didn't extend yourself, you didn't reach for that. Yeah. Uh, and it, then it becomes easier to say, oh, well, we didn't do anything wrong, so our failures because of something that's not our fault. And that sucks and we don't like it. And, but we're just going to keep doing this thing because it was never our fault. And we're going to keep doing it until it works. And I think that that's where you never learn that lesson. You know, if you reach for something that is risky or impossible, and then you fail and you say, I know why Mm -hmm. we failed because we tried this thing and it didn't work. We got to try something different next time. Right. So the mindset becomes very different. Yeah. And, and it's also part of the narrative of success that we only see success stories, mm. right? It's like they all started in their garage with nothing. Yeah. Let's ignore yeah. their white privilege and wealthy families yes. and, and, and Ivy League education. Let's ignore all that. But they started yeah. in the garage and then they became billionaires overnight. So none of them became a billionaire overnight. None of them. And you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them. All the billionaires. All of them. All the billionaires. <laughs> All the billionaires. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, it's the even same the ones born with money had to work to get more money, and and again, <clears throat> I, I can't testify for their personal lives, but you know, I can see their Twitter accounts, and they don't seem extremely happy for me or fulfilled or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. tick the box. I'm living the best life I can at any right. point. So I think we told ourselves these, these, we tell ourselves these stories and because we have now mass media and, and these stories are fed to us all the time. It's not reading it in a magazine once a month in a time magazine. It's, it's being Daily, bombarded. Hourly. Where, yeah. yeah. Like be happy, be successful, hustle, hustle, hustle. And I'm like, wow, this is so tiring. And even failures yeah. need to be success stories, you know, even failures, you know, they, you have fuck up nights or people go and brag about their failures, which, again, is great in a sense that, that you can share these failures and people can can relate to it. But even failures we made into a formula, like fail fast, fail yeah. upwards, right? right. There's always like, oh, there is a positive outcome to to a fail. Well, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes you fail in things in life and you really have to change direction. It's fine, you know, or or maybe you don't, you know, I'm sorry to disappoint, but maybe you peaked when you were 20 or maybe you peaked when you were 30 and you have to deal with the rest and, and the rest is fine. Mm-hmm. The rest is still life. The rest is still valuable. If you're not a million, if you're not... 30 under 30 you're still gonna can have a happy successful life yeah. who knew i've never been any age under any age it's i've never i don't know it's funny i, I remember saying to a friend of mine i was like no if i could just have succeeded and the, and 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 they were like what is your definition definition of success because like you you have a house and a family and your your kids love yeah. you and your wife loves you at least she likes you a lot and you have you know you you pay we your think. bills you're we not think. starving you know obviously i'm not starving and like you know it, it i i think it's difficult it's very difficult to pull yourself out of that competitive mode of thinking that mm-hmm. i i am not succeeding until i am part of that echelon of people with a ton of money like an embarrassing amount of money you know what i mean or or there are so many people who are interested in what i have to say that that you know i'm constantly judging 
how many followers I have in whatever format I have it, you know, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything for me, whether or not yeah. there are enough people following me on Facebook or Instagram mm -hmm. or LinkedIn or whatever, as long as someone engages with me in a semi random and regular basis, I, I just, I, I feel that that's, that's gotta be how I look at success. You know? Well, success became very quantified, right? It became about numbers. It became mm -hmm. about money, right. about followers. It, mm -hmm. it used to be like, I want to change the world. I want to impact people. I want to be mother to like, look at the role models we had, you know, when oh, yeah. we were young. Yeah. It was very, very different. You know, what, what is success well, yeah. and what is value? And, and again, it became because it, partially because of technology, partially because, well, not partially, but heavily because we can, we can quantify everything now. Yeah. We yeah. can constantly monitor our success. So we do because we're human and we're weaklings and we're like, oh my God, I need to see if they yeah, answered. No. Or, so our sense of time and response and, and, and value of things diminished. And, you know, I'm on social media you know, I, I will not lie, although I did disconnect from Facebook. Look at um, you. Look at me. It, it I was keep it for the podcast. <laughs> no, I, I'm like, no That's one there. True. I want to talk to. I'm a, sucker. I have a bunch of elderly I, aunts that are on Facebook and no, nothing else. And it's like. No, you know I what I did? I realized that people only remember my birthday that I, I hate because of Facebook. Oh. Right? Yeah. And it was yeah. like my birthday and a week before I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to disconnect from disconnect. Facebook. No one's going to know. <laughs> I was awesome. right. And it never felt better. You know, it never, never felt better in my life. You remember like the first years of Facebook where you're like, I like 50 people. And then you count down and then you check in your birthday. But I posted on theirs and they, it becomes this like really weird thing that even if you want to, you can't avoid and then people start judging you of like, you only liked his response, but you answered the other guy and you didn't answer. It becomes like so <clears throat> the hierarchy stressful. Of, the hierarchy yeah. of, of media. It, the birthday hierarchy. With birthdays, of, of I got into a habit of no, I, I didn't ever do if, if it was a single birthday, I didn't wish anybody a birthday greet. I didn't say anything to them. If they shared a birthday on my timeline, I would tag those people so that they all were connected to each other. That to me was like my way of sticking it to the system. And I, I thought it was like, I did that for a full year. I just wanted to see what the difference would make in my day to day. Right? Like I'm like, nobody got an individualized greeting. Only if you shared a birthday, did I, did I say anything about it? And then I just stopped doing it after a year. <laughs> is this when you notice less people are following you on social media? No, no, Because it no. could be related. No, it, what happened was is somebody said, it was because after a year of that, somebody said happy birthday to the guy who says happy birthday. And I was like, I'm not that guy. Yeah. I, this was an experiment. You know what I mean? Like it started out as just, I saw a couple names. I'm like, this could save me some time. To I want to see if the people that, are dis are not connected become connected i want to see what happens did they that. what happened yeah it's well what happened was it was interesting oh, this is a silly aside but what happened was on one in one case uh, a few people did friend each other that they didn't know they knew each other or they didn't know each other and felt that they could because of the birthday greeting and and what happened a couple of times after i started was i got asked whether or not i was okay with that person doing the same thing 
like I had some kind oh. of you had a signature over, move. Yeah, that, that was my yeah. thing. They were like, "Would you mind if I did that?" I'm like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mind if you do. I don't know why you would even ask me that question. I just now I'm just picturing like you you walk up to somebody on the street, you go, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And they're like, "Whoa, that's my thing." Whoa, would, would you the- would you would you mind if I? <laughs> If I if I did that could to I, like someone else, like could like I that say guy hey right to there? that guy there? Hey, like I know him. Hey, <laughs> how's it going? And that feels really yeah. good. <laughs> my, my buddy just showed me how to do this. Hey, how's it going? Thing you can use that. Go use it. All right. Yeah, Stephen, can I do this hand wave too? Like you can, can listen. I, you can well, do this, but like, you can't oh, do this. Good. Yeah, this yeah, that's m- copyright. But this. yeah, that's copyrighted. <laughs> it was a, yeah, copyright. it was a very strange thing, and like that happened. I I think it happened maybe three times, and each time I just went. Yeah, you can. Yes, I mean, I don't it's, feel like I should even respond to that, but I, I guess you need me to do that. I, I think you should have out, been outraged and like, how dare you? Are you kidding I, this me? Is, are you kidding me? This is, I like to do this open question in, in social media. Like, what do you think? I'm like, you are oh. dead to me, and then people go, <laughs> and then I'm like, lol. Go fuck yourself. But we could. I mean, after. Honestly, lol. I could. I could talk for hours about. Um, this really uninformed generation of copyright. Like people just don't understand it or or get it anymore. And I am one who actually believes that copyright needs reform. For sure. Um, but it's it's even with my students, it was unbelievable how well, I mean, I guess I, I expected it, so it wasn't unbelievable, but just how they they were they just couldn't fathom you, you mean I can't just take an image and turn it into a meme that's copyright infringement? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Every single meme is, is infringement of copyright. Every yeah. single yeah. one is infringement of copyright. And th- it's just like, but you can't just take an image and use it and do something with it? Well, what technically if, what if I you can. <laughs> so oh, this you're is welcome the, to do it until yeah. they tell you not to. Yeah. Like, you can do whatever like, you want until you're told not to I, do it. But again, it's, it's it's because the effort that we have now in interaction mm-hmm. in interaction with content is very 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 different you know mm-hmm. we don't make an effort remember when we we wanted to listen to music that wasn't like the top hit song yep. in the radio you had to go and find a record sometimes you had to travel to another city to or that country store, yeah or country to get yeah. it and then you got it and and you could listen to you know there was and you haven't even gotten into like learning about it how did you learn about this music how you did had you to hear about it exactly. you had to or, have or the right friends or read the right, right things friends, like, radio yeah go to the right stores where people know your musical taste yeah absolutely i agree now it's so, just boop. boop i i had a student it was like a couple of years ago that actually i i had to fail her be, for infringement right because mm-hmm. she did this image uh, she basically reproduced a, a famous um photographer's image and it wasn't done ironically or like I'm reproducing it. Like, this is my work. So I had to sit her down and say, you know, I've, I've put the original next to hers. And I'm like, well, do you see the problem here? And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, they're the same. And she and she said, no, they're not. I'm like, well, they look exactly the same. Have you looked at this before you've done yours? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. But this is mine. I created it. I reproduced. So their idea of reproduction and creation, mm-hmm. resharing and creation is very, very different mm-hmm. from, from where we are, we're at. Because she, she was right in the sense that she didn't just download it and presented it 
as her own. She reproduced it mm -hmm. almost perfectly, mm -hmm. right? But she didn't understand that it's a reproduction because she yeah, created, right. like, even the act of, you know, getting her own lighting and her own model and was, it was an effort. It was a genuine mm -hmm. effort, creation. So for her, she really could not fathom what I was on about. Mm. And I think, so, so yeah, we, we're having a complete different discussion about copyrights. A lot of it is because of generational and technological gap. A lot of it is because it's easy and we're, you know, mm -hmm. again, humans, lazy, we're lazy. And, and again, we're, we're in this culture still, and I hope it will change of the, the ones that gets it out first is the winner. Right. It's we, like, it's not about the idea. It's about the execution. It's not about this. It's about, you know, <laughs> if you have the means to, to, to distribute or recreate it, you have the right to do so mm -hmm. in, in a lot of well, levels. Right. And it's, I find it interesting that, that a, a lot of innovation in, in our civilization, like throughout history, uh, it's a lot of times been companies like Apple, the people that aren't first to the gate, but the people who 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 take the the sort of fledgling product or fledgling technology mm. and then understand how to make it actually work for the public. And in many cases, uh, the companies that we consider to be the pioneers were not the pioneers. They were the ones that yeah. were second or third to the, through the gate, but they domineered and destroyed all history of the other two uh, yeah. competitors, right? So or now they bought Xerox. The May yeah. I say exactly. Xerox? Yeah. Exactly. Xerox. Xerox. Nobody talks about Xerox. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the underrated copying machine. Complete mind-blowing innovation catalyst that was ever created. Everything we know, except of Star Trek, that really started everything. Uh, but in of terms it, all of, of it, Star Trek, they really did sliding doors, Wi-Fi communication, <laughs> use computer well, interface, three <laughs> D printing. Don't look. You're holographics. you're digressing from your own digression. So I'm not digressing. It? I'm progressing. We're going back to the past. You look at the future. Look at the future. <laughs> Um, but it's true. We don't give credit to the first. We we give credit to I want to say the, the winner past or the to the winner. winner. Really, exactly. Mm -hmm. When you decided to to um, pursue your PhD, do you see your pursuing a PhD as being really any different from what you've been doing? Like you always have. To in my mind, you've always been a very curious person and, and very interested in and not maintaining the status quo. So you doing your PhD and, and being, and, and doing the research you're doing, I don't see that as being very much different from what you already were doing. No, um, I think it won't be. Again, I hope nobody's <laughs> listening from my core. I've, look, I, I, everywhere I was, I tried to, to be in, if I'm in a framework, which is normally really rare, if I am within organization institution, which is normally rare, I still try to be a free agent. Right. And that doesn't mean like, I want to break all the rules. Like I, I find the boundaries and then I, I'm trying to see where I fit and what I can stretch. I'm not For there sure. to like ruin the institution from the inside. I'm there to see like what value I can give and I can get. So 
even with the PhD, like the reason I, I went for the PhD is that from the beginning, I made it you know, really clear in my proposal, this is not just going to be a theoretical PhD. I want to do a, a creative making PhD where, yes, there will be theory, which super nerd. I'm like, yes, more books. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, it's so sad. No, um, that's okay. I can read more. I just oh wish this God. was a video podcast because people could see you doing that. Oh, my God. <laughs> And, and again, like I, I don't, I didn't want to do a PhD to get the, whatever the degree, because this it's not about that. It's about having the opportunity to deep dive. Like the, sure. I want to say the excuse to deep dive because I'm, I'm a life learner. I was like, read, I do online courses. I read, I, I'm curious. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but this is an opportunity to deep dive and make in the same time projects that I won't be able to do commercially because they're not commercial. That was actually one of the frustration. I got to a point where, you know, um, I keep talking about, about augmented reality and really stretching the boundaries, but where do you stretch the boundaries within, you know, the most you can do is be sponsored by Google to do a creative art project that they will own for life. Right. right? And you don't yep. know where it's going to be applied. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big ethicist. I actually don't work with any of the big tech companies. I, I try not to be affiliated, which is excruciating, you know, not don't be, you know, I'm trying to, to not sell out, if it makes sense. Not yeah. because I'm saying like, if you work for them, you, 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 you give away your soul. I mean, yes, for Google, but you know, other ones. Or, or Amazon <laughs> or Facebook, but the other ones are oh. kind of okay. And, and again, like I don't judge, like I have friends that work for them and, and, Do you and I not... can. <laughs> oh what? You just said, I don't, I don't judge. <laughs> like, like spending two, minutes, two full minutes saying like you saw uh, your soul for the whole thing me. and fuck them. Excuse me. It was Google <laughs> that took off don't be evil from their motto. Not yeah, me. That's weird. So I'm kind of like, wasn't me. They said it. Mm -hmm. This is where um, I'm the, the big tech companies, the, the big problem I have with them is that they're not honest. They're not honest yes. about their business model. Come on. It's advertisement companies. Google is, is not a tech company. It's an advertisement company using tech to collect data and to spread data, right? Facebook is an advertisement company. This is their business model. This is their bonus model. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not even about creating content. They don't even create content or value themselves. They just facilitate our content and 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 they're like the stock market of data, right? They trade yeah. data. That's what yeah. they do. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But be honest about that's what you're doing. Don't sell us like, we're bringing democracy. Mark Zuckerberg, sorry. Bringing democracy. I'm like, never voted for you, Mark. Can't remember. <laughs> voting for you <laughs> you know just be honest i'm fine you know i'm fine with with everyone being aspiring to make money or but be honest about it and and this is something that i'm very allergic to don't pretend yeah. you know we're liberating you we're giving you progress i'm like never ask for this progress you're selling us a narrative that works for a specific demographic you know and then um Sandy Pantlin, right, the, the father of social AI, famously said, we could solve world hunger today. 
if we wanted to. And that's the truth. We have this amazing capabilities. We could solve world hunger today if we wanted to. We could solve so many problems if we wanted to. We just don't. We create more apps. So not everybody has to be an ethicist or a volunteer, but you know, if we're consuming, let's admit this is what we're doing. This is not about bettering lives. It's about you know, feeling progressive, or yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's interesting in that, that uh, you know, we it seems like there's a very narrow. Let me think about the way to say this correctly. <clears throat> there is a very narrow focus that is the ethics of things. And then there's this wide band focus that is all of the things. So you can you know, there, there was a documentary came out, Social Dilemma, where, you know, a lot of my friends watched it. I, wa I watched half of it and I, the, nothing about it was surprising. So I just turned it yeah. off. And like, you know, every time someone would mention it, like, oh, the so have you seen have the social you dilemma? Seen this? Like, listen, I, dummy, I have been in marketing for 20 years. I am the social dilemma. Here's the thing, uh, Galit. Steph has been doing, uh, do you have your master's now, Steph? Or are you, I have my master's now. Yeah. And I am looking into. The PhD, PhD program. program. Yeah. Okay, so, <clears throat> Steph, Steph, give it time. Oh, all I have to say is give it time. Give it time. I, Honestly, I don't have time. it's you yes, have you do. All we have in life is time. What are you talking about? Yeah, slowly diminishing just... amounts of it, but we all have time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the only thing we have. It's the only we can't control right. it, but we have yeah. it. Anyways, one of the most interesting things has been that. Steph and my conversations went from a couple of idiots to one idiot and <laughs> Stefan. <laughs> because because he just it was I, what he was studying is so interesting. So here's the thing is that I really believe and I still believe it. I believe that what Steph has been studying and what you are researching are so closely related. And I feel mm -hmm. like because of the fact that I'm I am more willing to speak and more willing to break in that I have been the one to ask questions where I really think that Steph has some really good questions to ask I... specifically because he's about narrative and interaction and, and, and things like that. So I don't want I don't want us to get to me going, okay, that's it. And, and, and realize that there's a missed opportunity for someone who could ask questions of value. Well, I think, um, I, I mean, talking about the, the masters, <laughs> Thank you. The, the master's program and a lot of the the topics that we covered were uh, digital media and society. And one of the things that I got really interested in is this idea that um, it's it, with augmented reality, with deep fake, with all this technology that's coming up, it's becoming harder and harder to differentiate the virtual from the real sort of um, phenomena where if the candidate says something that you disagree with, then it's fake news. So now, now, yeah. now we even label things as being virtual because Whether we don't fake, want, yeah, because we don't want fake to it. me. Yeah. That's, that's and, what you're finding out. And the thing that I am trying to be very cognizant of is that this is not a, a, a right wing phenomena. It is nope. equally 
happening on the on the on the on by by leftists. Like we we just can't accept anything that doesn't fit within our worldview. And so the question that I ask people all the time is, what would it take you to believe Trump actually lost the election fairly? What would it take you to believe that Trump is right? You know, and if you ask mm. a liberal, they'll say, you can't convince me of that because I know he's wrong. Yeah. But how do you know that? How do you know that? How can you say yeah. that there's nothing that could ever convince you? If someone gave you proof, would you not then have to say, "It's it, I believe it? Or would you then say, I don't believe the proof. I think it was fabricated. I think there's a conspiracy. And that, well, that to me is frightening. Right. For me, it's not frightening. For me, it's the opposite of frightening. This is actually what reassures me that we're finally getting to the bottom of, of reality, truth, and trueness. Right, because there's there's a big gap between truth and true. Right, and and the truth is the holistic, three sixty, all perspectives, historically proven, checked from all. Truth is like the complete story that we can only see in hindsight, and even that depends who's telling it. We never really reach the truth. But we, we think we do because we, we get true things, right? True. Right. There, there's a difference between truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and true things. So this is what's happening is, is we're getting nuggets of true things or things that sound true or could be true becoming the truth. And, and, and that, again, that, that's across the board, I, that's also reality because it's subjective. Like what is true for, for me is is the world experience. If I was born in a very hard environment, if I was underprivileged, I will have a different perspective and it will be true. But it's not, It's and it's my truth, but it's just true. It's my truth. It's not the general truth. That's too overwhelming. No, we're still trying to figure that out. And, and this is a conflict, the conflict of the absolute that we think because we see everything all the time, because we can see it, we can touch it, then it's the loss of value. We, we, we can touch it, so it's the truth. No, we can touch it, so it's true. The truth, the, the, the ability to doubt, the ability to think like, I, it feels true, it feels like this is the experience, but I might be wrong, doesn't exist anymore. It's just seen it, I believe it, so it's truth. And that, again, that goes for everyone. That goes for everyone. We, we lost mm -hmm. our humility. We lost our humility to say maybe, you know, maybe we're progressing technologically, but maybe it's not progress. Maybe we are, we know a lot of things, but perhaps we don't know everything really. It just right. feels like that. Maybe... It feels right, but it might not be right, what I'm doing. So we lost, and, and this is the thing that I'm missing. We lost humility because, again, we can quantify, we can check everything. We have easier. these checkpoints. It's easy. And yeah. it's more reassuring to just believe anything that fits into your worldview yeah. on either side of, of a debate. Um, and I think when we then get to the point where we realize that none of it is true, and and all of it is true and actually and all, of, it all true. of it is true and that, all of it is true 
the because real holodeck world, is outside of the holodeck. <laughs> the, the oh my god, look true. at you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Okay, so let's talk about like imagination, hallucination, holodeck, augmented reality. If I perceive something as, as true, right? If I see a movie, right? Let's, let's go to like mm-hmm. low level mm-hmm. tech, right? If I see a movie, it's fictional, obviously, but it, it changes something in it. I mean, I laugh or I cry or I connect to it. It is truth. It is now part of me. Mm-hmm. It is truth. It does exist. It doesn't matter if it's real or reenacted, if it's a documentary or not. It's, it's not about that. What is the source if it's fiction? It becomes truth when it's true to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Sure. So back to the beginning, Star Trek is true, but uh, <laughs> but no, but it's it's what we experience, right? Like truth and true is what we experience, either mentally mm-hmm. or physically or sensorially. I have a good so, example of that. So I I uh, I met somebody who um, whose father was in the military, and they actually grew up uh, in very remote places in Africa and uh, the Middle East, and didn't have the same cultural touchstones as the rest of our group of friends. So when we met mm-hmm. in university, they didn't know Battle of the Planets. They didn't really, they, they had heard of Star Wars, but they had never really experienced he it like see. we had, right? Um, same with like Superman, Spider-Man, like knew of it, had see. kind of experienced it, but not really to the same degree that we had. And, and definitely did not have the same uh, experience of watching the progression of special effects cinematography right so when when we took them to go see lord of the rings they couldn't fathom what was real and what wasn't to them it was all just real because the 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 jump from what they had experienced as 1970s science fiction special effects to what we had today was too great so mm-hmm. to them, it, like trying to explain those, uh, most of those are not people. Those are just CG put in. There's a couple of people there and then the rest is all. They're just like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? They're fake. So um, they just had to accept it as reality. They just had to be like, yeah. oh, that's amazing. They got so many people. Where did they find these crazy sets of these castles? And like, it's, That's where their brain went because that is the truth that they understood. But that's... that's... If you were sitting there and having, you know, the same experience as they were, while you were viewing it, you both had the same experience. The difference is what you brought back to your culture and belief system. So this is what I'm saying. It it was true for a while, but Mm -hmm. for them, it also became truth because they couldn't separate, you know, and if we talk about deep fake or augmentation in general, we are getting to this point where true and truth and real-ish and real and reality are, are going to be very um, highly blurred. It already is. And, and again, if it's, it's the easiest to go to social media. It already is. People believe the image they have in social media. People make their digital mm-hmm. identity mm-hmm. part of their own. It's, it's not all brand new. But with immersive tech, it, it doesn't also only seem real it feels it you experience it as real and this is what i mean when i'm saying um we don't know yet what that means we don't we've never we don't... we've never had anything like it in history yeah no. where our where our imagination and our, our falsehoods could be made so real that 
they're, they're indistinguishable there is no from difference. the real thing. Yeah. And so, the, but there is no difference because if, if my imagination, so if we talk about, about sanity and madness, and this is something I wrote about, you know, in, in, in the Western society, at least madness, right, is people that are not um, aligned with our sensation of reality, like everyone else, right? They see things that we don't, they hear things that we don't. In, in, in old ages, there were prophets and witches and, you know, whatever, or, or just being stoned because they were too weird. But in, in our life, we have this, this standard, this very heterogeneous standard of like normal and not normal. Now, in a not so far away future in a galaxy right here on planet Earth, <laughs> we're all going to be able to see and hear things that nobody else does. So yep. norm, normality, universe and multiverse, these are going to be things that are quite detrimental for our civilization, you know, and, and I'm not even exaggerating because if we don't have a common reality, if we don't have a common uh, experience in reality, you know, what are we, what are we left with? Yeah, exactly. And that's where things start to break down. For, and like, I think often about this whole new answer to the Fermi paradox being that we haven't met any aliens because by the time that they invent augmented and virtual realities, it just stop bothering trying to explore space because why? Um, and I met so many puddles. <laughs> I met so many puddles. Yeah. What do you mean but, we, we haven't met aliens? All the but, time, every but also, winter. So, <laughs> no, we haven't met aliens that we recognize as aliens that we consider as alien. We that we know of. Let's say it like that. We haven't decided what we met aliens. Some of us have decided if they have, but you know, it's it's. I also, mean, you've seen octopus, right? Like those things are not terrestrial at all. They're love like octopus. crazy town. Love I'm just octopus. saying they're not my favorite underwater animal. Unlike the dolphin. Well, I'm just saying that they are not, they're not from here. Not at all. They're crazy town, you know? They're, they're amazing. Um, see, that was such a good, that was such a good bit. I know. That was such a good bit. I loved it. Octopus, dolphin, no, sharks, maybe. We don't know. Have a fin. Their tail moves differently. I believe in them. The you fish. You have eight arms. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like you. Four hugs at once, man. Um, you know, we, I think the subjective reality thing is is really interesting. So we're Libs and I are watching, my wife and I are watching a, a documentary series about a thing called Murder Mountain, which is like a weed growing thing, uh, you know, in the so sequoias I, yeah. in, in, in Northern California. And the the point of view of the people that lived there the people that started out there was you know we just we just wanted to check out man and we just want to like grow staples and marijuana was a staple and so like they tried to paint it like the the way the filmmakers made it was they tried to paint it like these people are good people just happen to like run afoul of the law because they were doing something illegal but then the reason it's called Murder Mountain is that marijuana turned into a giant growth business, business that, you know, that when people rolled in, they just straight up murdered them. 
So it's hard to have empathy for anybody who mm -hmm. is partaking in that particular business, whether or not they're giving back to their community or whether or not, because they are the ones that perpetuated this particular thing. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, how we view things, you know, how we see something as being real, you're like, well, babe, we have met aliens, but did we admit they were, you know? Like I used to, high school is when I did a ton of drugs and I believed a lot of shit. So, I, I dated so much. I probably, probably dated an alien. I have my suspicions, but um, well, we're the alien for the person you dated. Or maybe I mean, I'm the alien and I'm not aware. You know, <laughs> Jorel Ariel. Um, I just know, think, and, and I, I think I think perception is is a really important part of this. And I, you know, you, you said yourself, you're like, uh, Gilly, You said, you know that thing we saw was the truth. The truth from their point of view, the truth from yeah. my point of view, it was the truth. It's an objective truth or a subjective truth. So, you know, we need to we need to start being willing. And, and I think it was one of the interesting things earlier was we talked about how when you talk to someone who doesn't support Trump, they immediately will not believe anything he has to say. They will immediately be against everything he says he stands for. But if you look at what he says he stands for, he stands for the American people. He stands for yeah. the perpetuation Raining of the, the American. He right? stands for, yeah. But every the problem is that every action he takes is in direct contravention of those things. So it's, it, you know, he's not trying to help the American people. He's trying to help an American person. So, you but know, there's no, there's sorry, no broad strokes, right? It's not, a, it's not a contradiction because the American dream is about the individual. It's mm. about you work hard. You're yep. responsible for your own destiny. Yep. You create the opportunities, right? Of course, yep. it's about the American way, but it's like it's about the individual, right? Oh, it's always to, about to that. No fail. taxation so without representation. No tax. So, so when you say to somebody, the American why, dream at its worst case scenario, right? Yeah. He's yeah. a, well, I want to say self-made person, but you know, no, he's he, not he, at is, all. he has picked himself in the neck from bankruptcy. It doesn't matter how, but he is <laughs> an American success, right? He failed upwards. He failed all the way to the presidency he cannot fail when upwards. against it's all a... odds. You no, know, when, there was when, no when odds Barack against Obama him. was making where when Barack Obama was making that, and I rem I'll never forget it when he was doing the the correspondence um, dinner. Remember mm -hmm. that one? And he mm -hmm. was slamming him, and I was sitting there and I was watching and I was laughing. And at a certain point, I looked at Trump's face and I was like, "Holy fuck! Pissed. This is like it's not even it wasn't even pissed. Like I I'll never forget that moment. I'm like, now we have." We, like we, of course, me and Barack, me and yeah. Mr. B, um, yeah. now we implanted this determination in him. And, and, and you know, if you remember that moment, it was like the peak of all the liberals, like, ha, 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 Trump is going to run. And against all odds, against the media, against the Republican, um, the GOP, against, you know, against... Yeah common sense against uh, public opinion of him and you know he represented the opposite of you know three times married right crude blatantly um proud of of statements that would never never even allow a candidate yeah. to to get to this point and he made it 
So yeah, he is the American dream. He is right. the ultimate politician and the anti-politician. He did drain the swamp in a, in the sense that he did peel off, you know, who's really against him, who's not, who's really, you know, even for the Republicans and for the Democrats and for the even the Democrats that that now have to to deal with the real progressives in their camp and what they really supposed to stand for and not or opposed to right. and not and how they act. So again, I still think he's the best thing that happened to the USA because it, it we got so close. close. He, he showed us up close, you know, what is, when in history <laughs> was anybody fact-checking a politician live? In American, yeah. in American um, communication, in it's, American um, media, when did they start kind of caring about facts? That you can Facebook, look it up, right? Social media, yeah. social media that was like, no, we can't censor anyone. Social media is doing quality control. So you know what? Again, twenty twenty is an odd year, but I think I really hope that from whenever in the near future we will look back and and say yeah it was a horrible year we had like a really weird run but we now understand i hope i we just won't think fall into that exponential blah 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 let's sell shit blah 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 i hope i hope that some people will see that running doesn't get you places faster that populism is exactly what it is you know, that, that real change, you know, happens slowly and deeply and value is something that you can't just mark it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, oh shit, I don't, I fucking hate, I hate talking about politics because it turns into one of these, you know. Everything we, is politics. You cannot, not, you cannot not talk about politics. Everything uh, is politics. Here's, the, here's, here's my issue. Here's my issue. When, when, when we say like, oh, 2020, right? I'm like, No. Not 2020, not 2020, 2008, 2004, yeah. 2000, 1972. You know what I mean? There's, there's like, there, there are a whole series. Like people still go back to the 70s and blame Reagan for stuff. And you're like, okay, but you have consistently, like, if you, when you speak it from an American point of view, like from an American point of view, you've consistently been okay with what has been going on mm. until it personally affected you. Like before yeah. it didn't affect you personally. And this is that murder mountain thing. The Libs and I watching it. I'm just like, well, that's a lot of white. That's a lot of white. I mean, like these people are totally like, oh, we're very inclusive to a lot of mm-hmm. white people. White people. Like if you're in Northern California and you're a white person, you would have been more welcome in this place than not. And it's like the, I have been confronting my privilege for the past few years. And it's it's an interesting thing to to speak with someone and say like, how can I do better? And that is not a question that it gets asked by, by white dudes. White dudes typically don't give a shit how they can do better. And all I want to do now, and, and part of the pot, part of the reason for the podcast, and part of the reason that we invite the people we do is how do we do better? How do we as a society, how do we as a whole, how do we as researchers, how do we do better? How do you, how do you inform people from what you're researching how do you make them learn better how do you make them do what they should be doing as opposed to just going fuck you guys 
fuck you guys. You're going to get where you're going to go because that's your reality. Well, I think first of all, you know, I've been pondering it's not a on lot, you a lot about it. No, 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 no. It is on me. Why not? Don't, don't oh, apologize. Well. Of course, it's on me. It's on everybody. But this is where I'm. It I'm, should be on everybody, right? It should be on everybody. Um, and it is on, on everybody um, to an extent. And, and you know, I, I had a lot of thought about it because um, when we talk about um, privilege and, and I'm like, oh, I'm a woman, so... I have been deprived, which is true to an extent, but sure, I'm yeah. a white woman. Yep. You know, so as I said, as an optimist, they're still like, yeah, there's white men above me, but there's also a lot, <laughs> a lot of happening that, that I'm still super privileged about. And I had a lot of to think about it. And I was talking to someone and they said like, yeah, but you know, you like one of these people that helps people, you know, uh, and they, and they shared um, Kevin Spacey's, um, famous phrase which is like if if you got to the top floor send the elevator down right you know, like you send the elevator down I'm like yeah but that's shit like i still got to the top of the tower like why am i sending the elevator down am i not occupying a space that shouldn't be mine like who says it's a penthouse anyway and and i really started to think about this metaphor of like sending the elevator down and this idea that we're supposed to be elevating and elevated and somewhere up there and I don't think it's about sending the elevator down. I think it's about fucking going down the elevator. <laughs> Honestly, like go down the elevator. You want to know how to change to go down the elevator. Go go down. Give up your privilege. You know, don't look down and like, oh, I, I put the Black Lives Matter in my hashtag. Or I've, you know, I'm really supportive of, you know, people that are not me. I'm not going to lose my privilege for it. I want them all to be elevated. I want all of us to live in a penthouse. Again, not realistic. If you really want diversity, if you really want inclusion, it's it's about the humility. It's about saying- Hold the elevator door mean, open, bring them in with you. Yeah, it, no, it's it might mean that you won't be up there. Yeah. And that you're okay with that. It is, it is a, it's, it's been an interesting situation in the past, like most especially in the past year to see people with food scarcity, to see people lose their mm. jobs, to see people who, you know, felt very comfortable up until a pandemic hit and the, the stuff they did just didn't matter. And, and, and you, and it's not that it didn't matter to them. It just didn't matter to the general populace. So mm. You, I, I, I witnessed a lot of oddly, you know, interesting self-reflection of people saying like, well, I mean, like, obviously the thing I did didn't have the kind of gravitas I thought it did. And you're, and you're like, you know, I've been saying this since the beginning. I've been very fortunate to have had a job. I've been very fortunate to have been employed and, and not, not be, I mean, I have been consistently concerned about, you know, being employed, but I've been employed. So, you know, for the, for the duration of this, this thing, I've, I've had the privilege to be able yeah. to, to self-reflect. I've had the privilege to not be concerned about where I'm going to eat next and what I'm going to eat next. And can I pay my mortgage and things like that? And it gives me the chance to say, how can I help? How can I yeah. extend? How can I, how, you know, how do we do it? And it's it, it's most bothersome because you know you had said earlier like the world's billionaires could solve world hunger tomorrow 
if they decided if to, do to do it. If, if they we want to do wanted it. to. If they want to do it, we they could. You know, if we, we sorry, we. Oh, I'm we. not one of the world's billionaires. But if we if we fought enough, if we decided like this whole thing, like we keep talking about taxation of the rich, and it's it's like there are people in the states that are fucking dying of starvation mm. right now, right now, when all they yeah. really need is health care and food, and we yeah. we aren't they aren't getting it, and that's happening in Canada. I mean, we, we have, you know, water advisory still in effect and, and, and many reserves. We have all this situation where, you know, we don't have it. There's no there's no thing. It's no such thing as equality. So how do we do it? You know, and I'm not looking for someone to tell me how to do it. I need to just no. give up things yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. So yeah. I've been living a more frugal life to help those I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. It, and that's what all of us need to do. But we yeah. can't be the poor passing the hat around to other poor people. And that's where a lot of the resentment lies with people that have so much. They're hoarding their wealth like dragons. Yeah. They're like, if if I make another million, then I'll start doing like that's 1% I'm for start charity giving. because right. it will be tax deductible. It will be worthwhile for me. Yeah. And and again, I think a lot of it is is changing values and narratives, really. You know, and, and I'm not saying it is like, you know, hippie. I'm, I'm a proud hippie, by the way. Yeah. I've always said it. For sure. Um, I don't have the hair anymore, but yeah, I totally. Hippies are not about <laughs> hair. They're about radical I change. Know, dude. I if know. you want to be disruptive, be a hippie. Um, <laughs> honestly, like all these disruptors working in advertisement companies, I'm not talking about you guys. Like we're disruptors. We wear black, but we're disrupt things. I'm like, yeah, you do with your <laughs> same haircut. Um, with your men bun, you are so disruptive. But well, no, so I'm not again. You've met someone recently. <laughs> oh, I met. <laughs> Not someone, <laughs> many clones of this yeah. disruptive one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, it's it is you know you're right. It is about it is about giving giving what you can and being honest about it. I can yeah. give, so I will give. You know, I'm not just gonna sit there and like, oh, this is really not okay. Like, get up, give something, do something. And by give, it doesn't have to be money. It can be context or advice or. Or I don't know why we're living in the sense of of scarcity and and like oh my god, you know if I give contacts, if I give help, if I give this, mm -hmm. I might not get it back. Or you know everything is so transactional and yeah. like no, just be, just don't be an asshole. It's very simple. Don't be an asshole. It's very simple. Just don't. You're like, oh, is this an asshole thing? Yes. If you're thinking it, it probably is. So don't. <laughs> and it's very, that's what people need. People don't always need just, you know, the money or they need to be seen. They need to, to be trusted. They need to feel like they're valuable, even if they don't have a job, even if they're not of value to you, even if they're not living their best selves. You know, and, and this is the minimum you can give. If you don't have money to give, give them the ability to raise themselves sure. out of where they are. Costs you nothing. If you can give money or you can really tangibly give jobs or give food, do that. If you can <laughs> donate to cure cancer or fit a village, do that. But do something. You know, at least do something. Don't just mm -hmm. sit there and feel bad 
Well, you're right. I I just need to oh, say. Can you say it again? Galit, have you not been right this entire time? I've been always right, and now I have it recorded. You, <laughs> Steph, do you have a thank you there? Galit, thank you so much for being part of our show. This has thank been you. probably one of the most uh, um, deep conversations and also characterful conversations we've had in a long time. There are a lot of things we hit. I'm, I'm yeah, like, and it I'm just, super into it. We, I, I, was, I mean, yeah. Go we ahead. just we love the tangents, right? Oh, we, Hugh and I love the tangents. Tangent, tangentize all the time. It's true. So I think it's this true. was like, this was like a delicious meal of of tangents that went from funny to characterful to deep. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you I, for having me. See, that's that's what I love. I love it all. This is great. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stephen Grambart. Questions or comments can be emailed to admin at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Music for the podcast is provided by Not Of. Find Not Of at notof.bandcamp.com. Opening and closing voiceover provided by jeffwright.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, a like in whatever platform you use goes a long way to helping the podcast get noticed. Thanks for listening and keep creating. See you.